Well, if you have a Bible, open it up to Genesis 39, verse 1. Yeah! We get excited when we open up the Bible. We think it's awesome. We think it's better than a thunder game. Come on, somebody. Sorry, too, too soon, too soon. <laughs> Next year, come on, in Jesus' name. Let Kevin Durant come back, in Jesus' name. Genesis 39, verse 1. This is the story of Joseph. Joseph was a, a dreamer. Last week, we realized he had a dream from God, and uh, he was uh, hated by his brothers because he was so excited about his dream. He was loved by his father, Jacob. His brothers, they get angry at him. They throw him in a pit, then, and they're going to leave him to die. Then they decide, let's not just leave him to die. Let's make some money off of him. So they sold him as a slave. So here we've got human trafficking happening uh, by his own family members. They're like, we're going to make a buck off this guy, and we're going to sell him to be a slave somewhere. And so Joseph is sold to these Ishmaelite traders. They're uh, traveling through Canaan. This is before Israel uh, had really been established. And so this is before there was really, this is uh, 1,700 years before Jesus would come. And so during this time, the biggest empire in the world was Egypt. Babylon had not gotten to its prime yet. Rome was not established. America was not even discovered yet. For those who don't know the Bible, America's not in it. But um, the point is, Jerusalem wasn't even ready yet. So here in Egypt is this massive empire, and Joseph gets sold by his brothers as a slave, and these traders travel down into Egypt. And so Genesis 39 verse 1 says, now when Joseph arrived in Egypt with the, with the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased. So once again, he is sold again to somebody else. You know, I want to just tell you right off the bat, sometimes the world will try to define our worth. They will try to set what we are, what our value is. They'll say, here's how much you're worth. Here's how much we can pay you at this company. But I want to tell you today, your salary does not determine your worth. Your position does not determine your worth. Your, uh, uh, whatever people have said about you, what they've done to you, that does not determine your value. You were bought at a high price. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay with blood for your life. All of us in this room, we are priceless. We are God's masterpiece and we are valuable. Remember that today. Joseph had to hang on to that. He had to remind himself, yeah, I, I was sold for $20. That's what his brothers made off of him. But God, you say I am much more valuable than what people have said over me. You got to remember where your value comes from. I want to talk to you today about this thought on Genesis 39, the power of purpose, the power of purpose. See, purpose not only shows us how much we're worth, it reminds us that our value doesn't come from a job or a salary or a family's name. It doesn't come from how many people uh, 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 may follow us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, but our purpose reminds us where our value comes from, that it comes from God. I wanna talk to you about the power of purpose. This last week, I had to go to Walmart, the grocery store right across the street, and uh, any Walmart people in the house? Come on, they made a song about us. <laughs> but I went in there and I was, I was getting ready because today I'm leaving to go to Africa with our church missions team. We're gonna go and minister the gospel. Be praying for us, please. We're gonna be in Rwanda and Malawi this week and uh, ministering to people, going into orphanages. And so I had to prepare for the trip. I had to go to Walmart, buy some stuff. And as a kid, when I went to Walmart, 
I dreaded it. I went with my mom, and, and when we went to Walmart, we were there for like six hours. Like it was the longest church service that happened in Walmart. Every aisle was an altar call. Pastor Sharon was just laying hands on people, and me and John were sitting there, and we were just like going to sleep in the aisles. We were like, God, please deliver us out of Walmart, please. Mom, please. And it wasn't that we didn't believe in prayer. Please, don't get all spiritual on me. We loved seeing my mom pray for people, but we were also really exhausted walking through those aisles. And, and then if you go into Walmart without a purpose, you end up buying things you don't really need, right? You see the blue light specials, and it's like, come on, get this, two for one dollar. And you're like, I don't even need that, but I want it, and it's on sale, and, and I want to get those chips and those snacks, and, and I want to go and get those, you know, electronics. I would find myself wandering in sections that I didn't even belong in when I didn't go with a purpose. So when you go to the grocery store, every woman knows this, I think, I, I assume, uh, you got to go with a list, right? You got to make a list. Here's what I'm going to get. Here's the reason why I'm going is I'm going to get these things and I'm going to get out. By, once I'm done with these things, I don't need to buy anything else. Everybody said go with purpose. And the same thing goes with life. In every season, every season is kind of like Walmart. <laughs> Y'all are like, what? <laughs> every season is like a trip to the grocery store that if you don't know the purpose of the season, you're going to waste money, you're going to waste time, and you're going to end up in aisles that you don't belong in. Joseph had to realize this season has a purpose. The season you're in right now, whether you like it or not, it has a purpose. God has a purpose for you right now. Here's the good news. God's purpose outlasts every season that you walk through. God's purpose remains the same in your life, regardless of the positions that you hold. Here, Joseph was sold to Potiphar to be a servant in his house. But ultimately, Joseph knew that my purpose is, is not contingent upon the position that I'm placed in. My purpose is bigger than my position. Your purpose is not defined by a title or by a role or by a salary. Your purpose ultimately is to bring glory to God. You want to know what your purpose is? Some of us in this room, we go, Paul, I don't know what my purpose is. Like, I want to know. The good news is God tells us. He says, here's your purpose. Matthew 5, 16. You're the light of the world. Now go shine as a light and bring glory to God in whatever season you're in so that people can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's your purpose, church. And this is for all those that are believers. If you're an unbeliever today, the good news is you can lean in and realize God has a plan for you. All you have to do is accept it. Here's your mission. If you choose to accept it, it's to bring glory to God in whatever season you're in. Here's the good news. You don't have to have a specific position to fulfill that purpose. God's purpose outlasts every position. So whether you're a coffee barista, or you're a bank teller, or you're a janitor, or you're a teacher at a school, or you're a coach on the football field, or you're a pastor on a stage, the purpose remains the same. It's to bring glory to God. You don't have to make 40000 to do it. You don't have to make part-time or full-time. You can be a stay-at-home mom and still bring glory to God. God's purpose outlasts every position that you're in. You have a purpose in every season of your life. And how did, how did this apply in Joseph's life? His purpose when he was at his father's house was to bring glory to God. His purpose when he was in the pit was to bring glory to God. His purpose when he was traveling through the desert as a slave was to bring glory to God. And now his purpose remained the same in Potiphar's house, bring glory to God.
Your purpose is not confined to a vocation or a location. You can bring glory to God in Tulsa. You can bring glory to God in Enid, in Woodward, in Dallas, in Madagascar, in Kigali, Rwanda, in Beijing, China. See, your purpose is not confined to a location. And your purpose is not confined to a vocation. Some of us think, well, I, I can only bring glory to God when I'm doing something that's like Christian or nonprofit. No, you can bring glory to God in a secular environment, even with a secular job that has nothing to do with God, but God wants to use you in that sector to make an impact on that culture. See, Joseph did not allow his position to define his purpose. He allowed his purpose to define his position. Man, I'm preaching better than y'all are talking to me. I came to preach this morning. Don't make me get off the stage and come up the aisles. You got to go into every season with purpose. I might be a college student, but my purpose is still to bring God glory. I might be making lattes at Starbucks, but I'm an evangelist barista. I'm going to lead people to Jesus with every caramel latte that I make. <laughs> I'm going to leave people with hope, with a smile. I'm going to let them know there's something different about me in my workplace. That I'm not just uh, uh, cashing people out at quick trip, but I'm leaving them with a sense of hope, a sense of peace. See, God wants to shine through you wherever you're at. Joseph realized his purpose remained intact even though his position changed. Your positions might change through life, and they will. Seasons change, but the purpose remains the same shine in the dark. You know, the thing about lights is they can't shine in the light. They only shine in the dark. So sometimes God will put you in a dark place because he wants you to shine. And you might be praying, God, get me out of this God forsaken land. And God might be saying, I put you there to bring God to that land. I put you there to bring Jesus to your family. You're in that unbelieving house because I want you to lead your parents to Jesus. You are a believing wife with an unbelieving husband, but I've called you to lead him to Christ. Your purpose remains the same even when positions change. Joseph was called to be a servant in the house of Potiphar. The great news is, ultimately, bringing glory to God is about serving God's purpose. The greatest title that you and I will ever get in this life is servant. The greatest title you will ever get is servant. Some of us are waiting for a title that we think is gonna make our purpose come to pass. As soon as I'm the pastor, as soon as I'm the CEO, as soon as I am uh, leading and, and, and doing these things, once I start my restaurant, once I own my company, once I make this much in my salary, then, but God say, no, no, when you get to the end of your life, I don't say, well done, thou good and faithful millionaire. <laughs> I don't say, well done, thou good and faithful mom, although it's a good position. I don't say, well done, thou good and faithful CEO of the bank, vice president of the company. I don't say, well done, thou good and faithful owner of the restaurant. I say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the cool thing is, you can serve in every season. So the purpose remains the same in every season. I'm called to serve God and bring him glory. And whatever I do, I'm going to serve God 
and bring him glory. When I was at ORU, I was chasing titles. I was a college student, this was about 10 years ago. I was obsessed with getting a title. I wanted to be the RA, I wanted to be the head RA, I wanted to be the chaplain, I wanted to be the worship leader. Just give me a title, I want like five titles. I was, I was interested in getting a title. And God, <laughs> for some reason, every title that I applied for, none of them came to pass. I got rejected in each area. I was like, what's wrong with me, you know? And uh, God said, Paul, you don't have to be a leader. You don't have to have a title to be a leader. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to have a title to be a servant. You can serve in every season. And God called me to start serving right where I was at, to hold the doors open in chapel, to be a greeter, to minister to guys on my floor, even though I didn't have the chaplain title, that I was called to be a leader on the campus, even though I didn't have the RA title yet, that God was wanting to use me. God wants to use you right now, even without a title. You don't have to have a title to fulfill God's purpose for your life. So Joseph is a servant. Verse two, but God was still with Joseph in Potiphar's house. Thank God for the but God moments in our life. Can I ask y'all a question today and just be real, like take the church face off just for a second. God loves it when you're real. Like God didn't come to save your image, he came to save your soul. So just get real with me for a moment. Anybody like facing tough times right now? Anybody like working at a place that you don't like? Um, and if you work for me, please don't raise your hand. <laughs> AJ, put your hand down. <laughs> Anybody working for a boss that you don't like? You better not raise your hand. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But like, here's the truth. All of us can find ourselves in places that we're going, man, God, like, this is kind of frustrating. My boss, he doesn't treat me right. He doesn't acknowledge me. I work really hard. He doesn't even deserve the work that I give him. He's, and then the environment, there's just non-friendly people here. They're constantly uh, uh, putting me down. It's a negative, toxic environment. Here's the cool thing. God is not limited by the environment that you're in. The prosperity of God is not limited by the vocation that you're in. The, the goodness of God is not contingent upon the good people or bad people around you. God's looking at you, at your heart. Can you be faithful even in a faithless environment? Can you be godly in a godless company? Can you stand out while everyone else is compromising their morals and values? Joseph didn't let the culture determine his morals. Joseph didn't let the culture determine his purpose. Rather, he let his purpose determine the culture. Joseph didn't allow the world to change his character. Rather, he allowed his character to change his world. The question is, are you letting the environment you're in shape the character that you have, or are you letting the character that you have shape the environment that you're in? Come on, y'all listening this morning, you need to lean in. This message could save your life. You don't have to go through this season angry, mad, sad, discouraged, complaining, toxic. I can't wait till I get out of this season. God, give me another job. Please take my boss out of this planet. Just give me someone else to work with. Please get my coworkers out of here. Hire new people. God wants you to prosper even in a toxic environment. God was with Joseph. Thank God that God is with you no matter where you are. You might be in the worst place in the world, but God is still with you. And God prospered Joseph greatly as he served in Potiphar's house. God can bless you in a godless place if you'll fix your heart 
on the purpose that he has for your life. God wants to bless you. That's good news. God wants to bless you. Not for you, but so that he can be glorified in you and through you. God wants to bless you in front of ungodly people so that they say, there's something different about this guy. Watch in verse three. It says that Potiphar noticed that God's hand was on Joseph. Now that's a big deal because in Egypt, gods were local. They, in Egypt, they didn't believe in Yahweh, like the God that we believe in. They believed in many gods. They worshiped the sun, the moon, the stars. They worshiped the Nile River, the crocodiles. Like they worshiped everything except for the God that we worship. And in their minds, gods were confined to a specific location. Wherever you found your God and you created that idol, that was where he could help you. But here they're watching this God follow Joseph from Canaan into Egypt. And they're noticing God has not left him. He's not limited to a location. He's blessing him in a foreign land. And they're scratching their heads and they're going, wait a minute, this isn't like our gods. This God's different than the gods we serve. On, on their terms, if you were a slave, you had been forsaken by the, by the gods. You had made the gods angry at you. So here they are watching this slave teenage boy, Joseph, get blessed in a foreign land. And they're going, if his God can bless him as a slave in Egypt, what kind of God does he serve? I want to know about this God. I want to keep this guy in the company. In fact, I want to promote this guy. Watch what happens. It says that Potiphar noticed and realized that God was with Joseph. And God was giving Joseph success in everything he did. Who in your life needs to notice God in your life? Who needs to see God? Who's the Potiphar in your life that God has called you to serve? Who's the leaders and the people around you that don't believe in God that are watching you and they want to see whether it's the real deal or not? Rather this, whether this Christian thing or, or this hope is really the real deal, that it's not just a Sunday morning facade, but it is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday type of relationship. See, Joseph did not limit God to the sanctuary. He didn't limit God to his private time. He didn't limit God to a church service. God showed up in his workplace. Does God show up in your workplace through you? Can people see Jesus through you on Mondays? Are you a different person from Sunday to Monday? Or are you the same person? That when you walk into that company, there's something different. You don't cuss like the other guys cuss. You don't party like the other people party. You don't give in to the sexual immorality that everyone else has given into. There's something dip. You don't slander and gossip about your supervisor like all the other people do. See, Joseph stood out. Sometimes we want an easy Christianity. Don't ask me to do anything. Just let me wake up and be lazy and bless me. But God doesn't bless laziness. God doesn't bless mediocrity. God doesn't bless gossip. God doesn't bless slander. God doesn't bless when you have a complaining, dishonoring attitude to the people he's placed in your life. The thing about Joseph was he had an excellent spirit. Joseph was submitted even to an ungodly leader. Some of us are saying, well, I would submit to my leader if he was Christian, right? I would honor my boss if he treated me right. He doesn't deserve my honor. But the Bible doesn't say to honor those who deserve your honor. The Bible doesn't say honor those who are Christian in your life. The Bible says honor those who are even ungodly as well. Honor the leaders that he's placed in your life. How are you doing on that honor level? 
Can God trust you to get under who he's put over you so that he can put you over what he wants to put under you? Come on, y'all lean in this morning. Can God trust you to get under who he's put over you? Paul, they don't deserve to be over me. I'm better than them. I'm smarter than them. I've got more degrees than them. I've got more experience than them. I'm older than them. I got more wisdom than them. But God didn't ask you what you have and that they don't have. God just asked you, can you submit to the leadership that I've put over you? And if you can, you might be able to be blessed in an unknown land. Joseph was blessed in a foreign land, in a wacky place, in a position of servant, like he was at the bottom of the food chain and he was getting blessed. Can God bless you in those places? Can he trust you to be submitted to authority? Joseph was walking in prosperity. He was employee of the month. Month after month, people were noticing something was different about this guy. And watch what happens next. Verse four, Joseph naturally became a favorite to Potiphar. He naturally grew in favor. God wants to give you favor with your boss. God wants to give you favor with your supervisor. God wants to give you favor with your family. I wanna preach to someone right now who has an unbelieving family member in your house. They're watching you. God wants to give you favor with those people. I had a friend that, that told me this story. He said, when I was young, I was riding the bus to church. And every week I would come on that bus and go to children's church and worship God. But I'd go back home to my apartment complex and my parents were shooting up drugs. They were uh, alcoholics. They were uh, partying, doing all kinds of stuff. No one in my family was saved. But I kept going week after week praying, Lord, save my family. Use me as a light in a dark place. Sure enough, he led every single one of his family members to Christ. Today, they serve in this church. They've been going here for 20 plus years, ministering to people all over the world. Rod and Gloria Baker were his parents, and they now are helping lead our missions department. See, God wants to give you favor with people around you who don't believe in God, but they see God's hand on your life. And, and soon enough, Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his entire household. Can you be the kind of employee that God would say, I can trust him with everything. I can trust him to make it all run smoothly. Potiphar put Joseph in charge of the whole household, all of his business dealings. From the day Joseph was put in charge, look at this, this is important. From the day Joseph stepped in charge, there was a noticeable difference. Everything started prospering. God blessed Potiphar for Joseph's sake. God will bless a godless company if he can find a godly person in the middle of that company. God can bless a godless family if he can just find a godly person who will serve in that family and honor the Lord with their purpose. Your purpose gives you power in the seasons that don't make sense. And it says that Potiphar, he got blessed because Joseph was in his house. Don't worry if people use you because of the blessing that's on your life. Just stay faithful. God's got a reward coming your way. Potiphar was getting blessed. All of his household affairs began to run smoothly. His crops and his livestock, they flourished. And when you start succeeding, God's not the only one who notices. There's a devil that sees it too. When you start doing well, it's not just God that takes notice. There's people that don't really care about your destiny that want a piece of your prosperity. They want a piece of who you are, your anointing. It's attractive even to the enemy. And so Satan put a, a target on Joseph. I'm coming after you, Joseph. I'm gonna find a way to get to you. What we're about to read next 
is probably one of the most important lessons on overcoming temptation. See, your purpose has power as a weapon against temptation. And we're going to see that here. That Joseph uses his purpose as power against temptation. The devil does not care about how good you've been doing, how, how loving you've been, how forgiving you've been. The devil is after your destiny. He wants to destroy your legacy. But the good news is we've got a God in heaven who's bigger than the devil in hell. Don't major on the devil. Major on the God in heaven who can beat up the devil every time he comes to tempt you. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says that God always gives us a way out of temptation. We're going to see today that there's no temptation that's too big for you to overcome. That God's going to give you a way out. So watching this, verse 6, Potiphar watches as Joseph is prospering. Everything's going good. Every responsibility that he watches over ends up doing well. And the only thing Potiphar holds back is the meals he's going to eat. So Potiphar cares about his food. He's like, I'm deciding what I'm going to eat later on. But Joseph, you can take care of everything else. Now, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. The devil will try to use your strengths against you. He will look at what strengths you have, the social skills you have, the financial skills you have, the good looks, and he'll try to find a door to come in and tempt you with that. In verse uh, uh, seven, we see that about this time, Potiphar's wife began to desire Joseph. Desire starts in the eyes. The longer you look at something that you can't have, the more you obsess about wanting it. See, if you look at something long enough that you can't have, you either finally give up and go, that's not meant for me. I'm not supposed to have that person. I'm not supposed to have that position. I need to just let it go. Or you start getting obsessed about it. I've got to have it. I got to get them. I got to get her. And that obsession drives us to do dangerous things. That's why it's so important to pay attention to what you look at. As a kid, we used to sing this song in children's church. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. <laughs> Something like that. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above, he is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. And the whole point of it was being careful, paying attention to what you're paying attention to. The longer you look at something, it drives your desire. As Potiphar's wife, who was at home all the time, and her husband is out, he's working long hours at Pharaoh's palace, she starts thinking, man, I could get away with this. I could hide this from my husband. I could do this, and, and he wouldn't even know about it. And in Egypt, sexual immorality was a normal thing. Like this was, Egypt was known for immorality. It was 20 times worse than the strips on Las Vegas. Like it was, it was intense. There was constant seduction in that area. There was constant immorality happening between people. And so here she is, and she's thinking about this, but Joseph, he's not gonna let the culture change his character, right? He's not gonna let the culture determine uh, his purpose. He still has a purpose, even in a negative culture. And we see that she comes at him and she offers herself to him. And look at this, verse eight, Joseph refused. He said, look, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. So Joseph had an honor for the position that he was in. He knew his purpose. This is a weapon against temptation. When you know what you're supposed to do, you don't get distracted with those blue light specials on the side. Like, I'm not going to go down that aisle because it's not on my list, right? <laughs> so Joseph says, no, no, I'm not supposed to do that. 
I have authority over everything except you, and I'm not touching you. You're not on the list, so I don't need you. God's got a better plan for me. I got a destiny. I'm moving forward. While Potiphar's wife was focused on what she couldn't have, Joseph was focused on God, and that drove his satisfaction. His contentment was in the Lord. It was a, it was a weapon against temptation. See, discontentment only happens when you look at things that you can't have. But if you will fix your eyes on God, whom you do have, who is always with you, who is more than enough, he is Jehovah Jireh. And that's not just a financial thought. That is a relational idea too. That God is your provider. He provides emotional stability. You don't have to go to a woman or a man outside your marriage to try and get that satisfaction. And so Joseph finds satisfaction. He says, no, 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 I, I can't touch you. And then he says in verse nine, here's the other thing. This would be a great sin against God. So Joseph has a fear of God in his heart. He says, no, I don't wanna mess up my relationship with God. Is God's grace great? Absolutely. But it's not a license to just do whatever you wanna do. And ultimately, Joseph knows, I don't want to mess up the intimacy I have with God. I don't want to mess up that peace and that confidence, knowing that I can always go to God. Of course, God could forgive me, but I don't want to do that. See, sin tries to sneak in and tries to become justifiable in your mind. Here's how temptation works. Temptation will come at you when you've been working really hard. Joseph had been giving it everything he got. And weariness can affect you. Right? The enemy tries to convince you, you won't be affected by tiredness, but temptation thrives on tiredness. Tries to get men really exhausted. Come on, come off the battlefield. You've been working really hard. You've been going to church. You've been reading your Bible. You've been praying. Come on, just take a break. Take off the armor. You don't need the armor. The devil tries to convince you that because you're so tired, the way to get rest is to come and do whatever your flesh wants to do. The Bible says even young men grow weary and faint. I'd be a liar if I didn't tell you that I get tired. I get tired, all of us get tired. But the way we get rest is not doing what our flesh wants, but waiting upon the Lord where our strength comes from. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like an eagle. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Temptation will come at you and it will say, no one will find out. You can do this and nobody's gonna know. Joseph, you can hide this from Potiphar. Sin thrives in the secret places. Tries to get you to keep this a secret. But the truth is, God knows. God knows. And Joseph let the fear of the Lord, a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord, not this uh, afraid of God, but this sense of, but I wanna honor God who's always watching. He's always watching. Even when your supervisor is not watching, God's watching. That's why Colossians 3.23 says, when you work, you don't work for man, you work for God. Whatever you do, you do it with all your heart unto the Lord, knowing that he's watching. And so Joseph worked unto God. He lived from that thought that I am here to serve God, not just my master here, not just my, my employer, not just my boss here. But the thing was, it's, sin doesn't take no for an answer. It keeps coming at you. As long as you're breathing, temptation will continue to come. But the more you say no, the less power it has over you. So here, day after day, verse 10, she kept putting pressure, 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 pressure. Day after day, the bombardment of sin. 
cell phone, your computer, your TV, your workplace, every time you walk past her desk, every time you walk into that environment, pressure, pressure, pressure. Satan doesn't care about your destiny. He's going to keep putting pressure on you. He is relentlessly devoted to trying to detour you from your destiny. But God is relentlessly devoted to keeping you on track. And when you get off track, he gets on ramps to get you back on track. God has a plan to help you fulfill your destiny. And if you've missed it today, if you've messed up, if you've sinned against God, the good news is you're in church. God just created an on-ramp for you. You're in a place of forgiveness. You're in a place of grace. You're in a place of victory. Today is your day to say, Satan, I changed my mind. I'm getting out of this place and I'm getting back on God's plan for my life. I got a destiny to fulfill. I'm destiny's child, baby. And I got a plan for my future. And the plan God has for my future is more important than the pleasures of this present world. I'm not going to let the pleasures of the present detour me from the purpose in my future. <sighs> Come on, destiny's child. <laughs> I'm almost done. Finally, she came at him one day, verse 11, when no one else was around. It's wild how temptation comes in isolated moments, trying to pull you away from the pack, trying to get you out of church, get you away from your connect group, get you away from your accountability partner, trying to get you all by yourself. Isolation means to be all by yourself. Joseph didn't do this on purpose, but unintentionally he didn't realize people had left the rooms. He was all by himself and Potiphar's wife comes in. She comes knocking and she comes and she literally throws herself at Joseph. Now watch what happens next. Verse 12, she came and she grabbed him by his shirt, demanding sleep with me. But Joseph tore himself away. And as soon as, his did, as soon as he did, his shirt came off. She was left holding it and he took off running from this woman, right? I mean, he was not going to stand around and try to get his shirt back. Sometimes you got to leave the shirt to escape the fatal attraction. Sometimes you got to leave the phone to get away from the temptation. Sometimes you got to leave that place to get away from that temptation. Sometimes we're so afraid of letting something go, but sometimes you got to let a good thing go that's connected to a bad thing. It's not that the shirt was sinful. It's that the shirt was connected to temptation. When I was in college, every time I was alone, I was tempted to, to be lustful with my laptop computer. And I had to get real. I had to take off the church face. I was sitting in a church service. My dad was preaching a message at that time about escaping the fatal attractions of this world. And afterwards, I realized, man, I need to repent. Here I am, the pastor's son. I need, I need victory. And here's what the devil loves to do. The devil loves to uh, have you keep things in the secret place. He wants sin to keep growing because sin grows in the dark. But when you bring sin into the light, it's exposed. It's broken. The chains fall off. We're going to have a moment today where you can bring it into the light and say, God, I'm ready. I want help. I want victory. So after that service, I went and I said, God, I need help. Don't be afraid to humble yourself and get help. It's a key to your victory. You can't fight this by yourself. So I went and got someone to help me. He said, here's what you're going to do. Like Joseph left the, the shirt behind, you're going to not be with your computer alone. Anytime you use it, you're going to have a friend with you. 
It sounds legalistic, but man, he was saving me for my destiny. I'd rather, I'd rather do that than have the computer whenever I want and have this private sin growing in the dark. See, some of us are so concerned about pleasing our flesh that we would compromise our destiny to feel good in a moment. But when you care about your purpose, your purpose is more important than the present pleasures that are presenting themselves to you right now. No matter how pretty she looks, no matter how nice he seems, if it ain't yours, don't touch it. Keep moving on. God's got somebody better for you. Your destiny is too important. And so Joseph runs. When I was playing football, before this sanctuary was built, this used to be a football field, and I was a teenager, and I was leaving the, the football game, and everybody else had walked off the field. All the guys had headed into the weight room, and, and um, as I was walking off the field, this girl came up to me from another school, and she literally offered herself to me. And I was so taken back by it because I just was not used to that kind of uh, uh, forwardness or, or just immorality, just straight up in my face. And I didn't know what to do. I just took off running. I pulled a Joseph on this girl. I was like, no. <laughs> Trying not to fall. We'll cut that out of TV. All right. <laughs> Come on. You, there's only some things you get when you're live in the audience in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But I took off running. And I got back to the weight room. I said, guys, you won't believe what just happened. And, you know, some of the guys were like, that's awesome. Some of the guys were like, why did you run? And I was like, because I got a destiny, man. And your purpose requires purity. You gotta lean in. You gotta believe that there's something in the future that's more important than the present right now. I don't wanna compromise my future for just a 10 second moment of pleasure. And you would think that when Joseph ran, everything would go well. When you do the right thing, everything good is gonna happen. But the Bible shows us that oftentimes when you do the right thing, you don't see the reward immediately. In fact, sometimes when you do the right thing, you still end up in the wrong place. Or you think it's the wrong place, but it might just be the right place. For Joseph, he was immediately slandered by Potiphar's wife. She screamed and she told her husband, he tried to attack me. He tried to come to bed with me. What are you gonna do to him? And Potiphar was so angry. He threw Joseph in prison immediately. Verse 20, he threw him in this prison and there Joseph remained. Joseph could have gotten angry at God. God, is this what I get when I do the right thing? God, I was trying to please you. I was trying to stay pure and I was slandered. God, why did this happen? And all of us have been there before where we ask the question, why? 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 Why didn't the healing happen? Why didn't the miracle happen? Why did he get the promotion and, and I've been working hard? Why was I let go from the company and I did nothing wrong? Has anyone ever had any unfair thing happen to them in their life? Am I the only one? I think all of us have experienced moments where we go, this is not fair. This is not fair. This last week I was watching something on the news where a guy got away with a crime and he only has to serve three months. And they were saying people who did things less than what this guy did are serving 36 years. And there was this part of me that just was angry at the justice system in our country. And I was going, God, I just, I don't get it. There's just things that don't make sense in this world. And the truth is life is not fair. 
See, we're not promised a fair life in this world. We're not promised a perfect life in this world, but we are promised a perfect savior in this world who never leaves us nor forsakes us. Even when you're in the valley or on the mountaintop, in the prison and in the palace. And the question is, will you let God still be God even when life is unfair? Do you only follow God when life is fair? Do you only come to church when things are good? See, God is looking at us. He's not the author of the unfair things, but he sure knows how to make unfair things turn out for your good in the end. He's not the author of the situations that you're in that are negative right now, but he sure knows how to bring all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This last year, I got a letter. It was one of the most interesting letters that I've ever gotten. It was a man who came to our church and he said, I was on death row. Your parents came and visited me in the 90s. I was sitting in a prison for a crime I didn't commit. I was wrongly convicted, thrown into prison, put on death row. I kept telling them I'm an innocent man, I'm an innocent man. He said, when your parents came to visit me, I told them, hey, listen, one day I'm gonna get out of here in Jesus' name and I'm gonna come and I'm gonna worship at your church. They said, okay, no matter what, we're gonna pray for you. We believe God's with you even in the prison. The day came where the evidence proved true. He was the wrong, they convicted the wrong guy. But he was, he was in prison for over 20 years for a crime he didn't commit. You know what he did the very first week he was out? He didn't look up at heaven and shake his fist in anger and bitterness towards God. He came into this building and he got on that floor and he said, God, thank you. Thank you for delivering me. You were with me in the prison and you're with me now. I'm not promised a perfect life, but I'm promised a perfect savior who's with me in every season. There's so much hope we find in Joseph's story, but it doesn't look good at this point. Verse 21 says that God was with Joseph even in the prison. For Joseph, once again, it looked like he had taken two steps back. Little did he know he was a few floors below the palace that he would one day be serving in. He was closer to his dream than he had ever been before. Sometimes the wrong place is actually the right place. And God is setting you up to meet the right people, to prepare you for your destiny. God was with them right there. God's with you right now in this season. He is at work. I know things might seem dim. I, think, I know things might seem unfair. Things might seem hopeless. But if you'll guard your heart and not get bitter, if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on God. He is your hope. He is your helper. He's going to be with you tomorrow. This is not just a Sunday relationship. This is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He is the author of your promotion. He is the author of your faith. He who started this work in you will be faithful to complete it. If it's not done yet, he's not finished. If you're in a bad scene right now, the play's not over. He's preparing you for the final scene. He's got something up his sleeve you haven't seen yet. Joseph is about to step into one of the most hope-filled places, even though it looks like a dungeon. God's preparing him for his destiny. 
Y'all receive that this morning? God, I just pray. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray right now for every person in this room that's struggling to overcome temptation, that's facing hopeless situations, unfair things. God, help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to not get bitter. Help us to get better. Help us to keep worshiping you even when life doesn't make sense. Help us to keep our joy, God. You said this joy that you've given us cannot be taken away. Lord, we can have joy in the prison. We can have joy in the palace. God, change our perspective of where we're at right now. Help us to make the most of this season. Help us, God, to be excellent in this season. God, to, to let you work through us. Give us favor where we're at in our workplace, God. Help us to be a light in the dark. God, help us in Jesus' name not to let temptation get the best of us, but, Lord, to keep trusting in you as you deliver us from temptation. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and things aren't right, you need God's help. You need God to save you. You need God to forgive you. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've missed it. Today, his forgiveness is here. His healing is here. His salvation is here for those that are here today and say, I've never let Jesus be Lord of my life. Or maybe he was at one time, but you walked away. Right now is the moment to call on the name of the Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you say, that's me, I want you to just slip your hand up right now all over the room. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Hands going up from the front to the back, all over this room. Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God. I want us all to pray this prayer together. Those that raise your hands, this is your moment. Mean this with all your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the dead. And I confess you today as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Today I receive your mercy, your grace, your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give God praise today.